How many of you feel like business has nothing to do with athletic training? Well, if you're like most ATs, you haven't realized that you're actually thrusted between two of the largest business industries in our nation, sports and healthcare. Discover more on today's podcast. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Athletes Mobility. Trusted by the most respected physical therapists, athletic trainers, and orthopedic surgeons, athletesmobility.com is the go-to place to find fitness products that are designed to help athletes move better, feel better, and recover better. Performing at your peak can be obtained without injury with the correct products and knowledge. Why wait for the injury to happen when you can prevent it? Visit athletesmobility.com for more information. Thank you for joining us on the Business Advantage podcast. I am Alicia Pennington, your host and also owner of Advantage. Today we are talking about business in athletic training. If you missed our first episode, it was a quick intro as to who we are, what we're doing, and most importantly, why we're doing it. So if you have an opportunity, go back and listen to that one. Otherwise, jump right in with us and we'll get started. I wanted to start with talking about business and athletic training by introducing us all back to our management slash admin class. Now, I know we all had to take it because it's part of the Katie accredited program, but let me just sort of jog your memory of this class if it's as vague for you as it is for me. This was a class we had to take at kind of the end of our program. Usually in your last semester, you've already finished all of your science classes, pretty much all of the real true athletic training classes. I don't really think that most people pay attention. I know that I really didn't. I was kind of checked out. I was suffering from severe senioritis and really just kind of focusing more on studying for my BOC. I had more interest in memorizing the ranges of motion for the ankle and the sits muscles than I did trying to cram any more information into my brain from this class. If you're with me, then I'm sure you didn't consider any of the information in this class relevant because maybe you felt like you already knew what you needed to become an athletic trainer. The information in here isn't crucial. It's not going to necessarily save a life on the field or you know the things that are more traditional of our athletic training and again if you're anything like me then you kind of thought this is stuff that I'm not going to need for a really long time probably way down the road in my career and at that point I'll probably learn it from somebody else or it will be taught to me or uh it's it Really, it just wasn't something that I need to be learning in the fifth semester of my program. So as I was reflecting back on this, I went digging through my books and lo and behold, I still have my management book. 
I, I pulled it out and I just want to talk about the cover really quick. If any of you have your book, I encourage you to bring it out and, and experience this along with me. So I have the third edition and there's a young lady here who's sitting in front of a computer that has got to be from the 1990s, if not one of the original computers to have ever existed. And uh, if that's any indication of, you know, kind of the relevancy of the information in this book, I'd feel like that picture perfectly encapsulates how I felt about this. So I opened up the book and uh, I am an avid highlighter, tabs, note taker, all up in my books. Like whoever got my used books after me, I'm sorry, or maybe you're welcome, I don't know, because I used to write all in those things. So first with the uh, table of contents, you know, hindsight looking back on this, there's a lot of extremely valuable information in here. And I think that we obviously looked over that in that senioritis moment, but really this is a valuable book and I'm actually really happy that I kept it. But anyways, um, so I'm flipping through and I'm seeing very little highlighting, which is very unlike me. I noticed one area of highlighting and it starts at chapter three, which is on page 63, human resource management. And my highlighting ends abruptly at the end of chapter three. <laughs> so um, of course my highlights are all of the vocabulary words, probably the stuff I knew I was going to get tested on. And I'm sure if I dug deeper, there's probably flashcards sitting in one of my boxes or drawers with all of these vocabulary words written on it. I have to say, I did quite a bit of due diligence in taking notes on the hiring criteria. <laughs> Clearly my mind was in the right space graduating uh, just later that semester. So um, it's, it's just funny to flip through this. I would love to hear your guys' experience if you still have this book. Please uh, tweet at us, share on Facebook. I'm going to post a picture of this thing because it's just so funny to me. Um, anyways, so, you know, this is, this is a book that I look back on now and really does have quite a bit of valuable information. But I don't think that any of us absorbed much of any of it during that class. And so, uh, you know, I really want to stress in this episode the importance of business topics in athletic training. I found out very quickly that this wasn't stuff that I needed 20 years into my career. It was stuff that I needed day one. And it wasn't something that was going to be taught to me by somebody else. I needed to know how to do these things from the get-go. Being an athletic trainer, I never really had any, you know, business sense. Uh, and so I've navigated these waters teaching myself uh, what, what is needed. And so I really hope what you guys can take away from this episode is how much business and athletic training truly overlap and the value of understanding different business techniques and topics 
in being an athletic trainer. Coming up next on the podcast, we have NATA president Scott Saylor giving us his input on the value of business and athletic training and how he's taken that admin class and turned it on its head. Injury-free is a mobile, real-time injury documentation and reporting platform that allows athletic trainers to create an injury report, update symptoms, and document treatments from any mobile device. With HIPAA and FERPA compliance, it is the only platform to provide injury reporting and CDC concussion education training in the same system. Streamline communications, keep your athletic program in compliance, and minimize your administrative burden. Visit injurefree.com to schedule a live demo. Well, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you being on our podcast, Mr. Saylor. Glad to be here. Um, So we wanted to talk with you about uh, the business in athletic training topic. Can you just kind of describe to us what you feel the importance of business and athletic training is? I think there's a tremendous amount of business opportunity in athletic training, and probably as athletic trainers, we haven't paid close enough attention to the opportunities that exist out there. Um, And part of that might be because we're not really often educated in a way that caused us to look at a business model in relation to athletic training, and that, that speaks to a lot of things. That's probably why we often find ourselves undervalued in the markets we're in and those types of things. So I think business is very important in regards to what we do as athletic trainers. Absolutely. Um, Can you speak to any of those opportunities that you think may exist if we were to have a greater business acumen? Well, um, I can. I, I probably will leave out far more than I actually Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but just to give some examples. Um, I've oh, I felt for a long time that our, uh, for example, one thing that that we learn and are educated on very well is really this whole return to play and functional return to activity mm-hmm. um, component of our of athletic training. Yes. And I really feel like there's been an opportunity that existed out there that there's a gap between the time that you're, um, even if you went to a clinic and got physical therapy or whatever, there, that usually re- is returned to daily activities. That necessarily doesn't necessarily return you to the activities that you love to do, hiking, jogging, softball on the weekends, whatever. Sure. Um, and there's there's a gap there and and there's an opportunity whenever there's a gap there's an opportunity absolutely and we could um, and I know that we do have people that are out there that do work in that gap that they have found that that's a market that we can work in and I think we're the best qualified group of professionals healthcare professionals to work in that gap I do think that there are other um, folks out there other in other folks in the industry that are are have probably moved into that gap and i um i just think that that we need to make sure that we have a strong presence there and have the community the um the world recognize that 
we're really skillful in that area and that we're worth the, the expense for having us help them negotiate that return to activity. Absolutely. I, um, I, I think I know what you're referring to. I've had a couple of uh, these kind of models pop up, sort of a, a cash pay model where it's sort of an athletic training clinic idea in a similar sense of a physical therapy clinic, but like you're saying, kind of taking over that gap between when physical therapy would end in the returning to activities of daily life and then the extension of that returning to uh, those activities that are beyond just an uh, everyday life type of uh, need. Is that kind of what you're referring to? That's exactly what I'm referring to. Very good. Yeah, that that's a fantastic model. Um, so we kind of know that you're a, a tech-savvy guy. For those that aren't familiar, um, uh, Mr. Saylor did a talk back in 2009 uh, titled Twitters and Tweets, Athletic Training Education, 140 Characters at a Time. Can you give us a synopsis of what that presentation was about? <laughs> well, it was really about... Uh, an emerging technology at the time, which was Twitter. Yeah. And they, uh, I really envisioned um, the opportunity to take, I always look at emerging technologies and try to think about how we can um, incorporate them into what we do on a daily basis, whether it be in patient care or whether it be in education or whatever it might be. And I really saw that, that, um, especially when we talk in this, this particular talk was about education. And I, I thought, uh, about the concept of chunking education or content into small pieces. Okay. And that's a educational theory that's been around for a long time and has been shown to be useful. And this really forces us to add 140 characters per message to do exactly that, which is really take bits of information and chunk them down into very small parts. So I, I envision the, the opportunity to really uh, educate students in this context um, by sending text messages and having them actually reply to text, or text messages being in the form of Twitter. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then it could create a community of learners that we're all sharing on a particular topic. And I think we've seen that actually happen with Twitter on different topics, but this was just just kind of a early foray into uh, the way we might be able to use it in education. Definitely. I've seen athletic trainers using Twitter to get a hold of their athletes. I've seen them put out messages saying the athletic training room is closed today or today's the last day for physicals. Be sure to get them in. So absolutely a means of communication, especially uh, with the, the younger population being the secondary school or the collegiate athletes. And I've also seen athletic trainers using this medium for discussion and dialogue amongst themselves. So have, have you seen it, uh, your talk was six years ago, have you seen it kind of emerge more into the educational aspect? Um, yes, I have. There, there, it's, it's probably not as being used as much in education as I envisioned at the time. Sure. But it's definitely being used in um, in the ways that you just described, which were more patient care 
oriented type of waste. What's interesting about this is about the same time I wrote an article uh, for um, a journal that, that talked about using text messaging in, um, in the athletic training room. So okay. as a way to communicate with coaches and athletes and staff members and Certainly. schedule appointments and things like that. And I was the section editor for the journal that I was submitting it to, but it still had to be peer-reviewed. So I sent it out for peer review. And um, when it came back, and of course the people that were reviewing it had no idea that I, I had written it. Sure. Um, <laughs> and when I got it back, I remember one reviewer in particular said, there is no way that anyone will ever use text messages to oh, wow. teach their students and or their uh their athletes and and I think it's funny to to think back today or look at what we do today and that really has is probably the most common way that people are reaching out to a lot of that. Their I would agree. Athletes. I would say that that's a primary medium. You know, it's interesting that. Uh, even a lot of high schools have kind of gotten away from the idea of using radios and they just rely on the cell phone now. So it's so funny sure. to, you know, even just six years ago to think about text message being a, an emerging area. But you're right. Um, it's it's important that we, we look at the different technologies that are becoming available and we see how can we become more efficient at what we're doing with those technologies. Yep, I agree 100%. And sometimes we struggle in different settings, especially like you mentioned, a high school. If we're trying to communicate with our uh, student athletes in a high school, I get the idea that there there needs to be that there's a problem with, in some cases, providing a cell phone number to a a minor and having that communication going back and forth. But there are ways around that that the the teacher or the athletic trainer can use tools where like Twitter and that was one thing I really thought Twitter provided was the opportunity to to have a a place that distributed that message but it wasn't directly tied necessarily to your cell phone, to your um, cell phone number so you could really stay just kind of one degree of separation that you know you you really could communicate but not have to give out your cell phone number Absolutely. And even if you look at the option of like a Google voice number, uh, for those who aren't familiar, you can get a phone number through Google and you can select the phone number um, and you can download the app on your phone and text messages and phone calls can be directed straight to your cell phone through that Google voice number. But uh, you're right, Mr. Saylor, it's an opportunity to kind of create um, uh, a degree of separation so that they don't have your personal number yet they are still able to get a hold of you in this world where you know that mobile device is kind of the go-to for everything. It sure is. Yeah. So how I do love you Google Voice, by the way? Do I've you? Yeah, we um, we use it with our company, and and we actually recommend that athletic trainers use that as their you know if you're going to make business cards or something along those lines, especially more of the independent contractor, athletic trainer, to have that separate phone number so that, you know, should um, your personal number ever change or, you know, things happen that um, you still have that consistent line for a professional contact. 
Yeah, it's great. And there are so many features that are so useful, like you blocking there you can put in times where you don't want to receive any communication from that, you know, that Yes, correct. That, uh, that's awesome. And um uh having a voicemail, I mean, you know, it's it's got its own voicemail, so that's terrific. And having the voicemails that transcribe that transcribe, yes. Oh, that's <laughs> terrific. I mean, then we can read them as essentially a text message, which is great. Exactly, exactly. Um so how do you think that business and athletic training has changed, you know, over the duration of your career with the introduction of social medias? Well, I think one thing that, that has changed is it, it helps us get our message out. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times we're trying to, to share our opinions on, you know, important topics like concussions and sudden death and heat-related illnesses and mm -hmm. those types of things. And it just seemed like we didn't get as much pickup, that, that we didn't have media outlets that really saw our contribution there. But as we've been involved more in social media, it's it seems like they've involved us more in that conversation. And that's been really helpful. You know, it, it's really leveled the playing field or not completely level, but it's, it's, uh, flattened the playing field a little bit so that our voice can have as much importance and, uh, as great a message as others out there who have, you know, million dollar, um, marketing budgets. So absolutely. It, it, it in a way eliminates that middleman. I think what you're, um, alluding to is before you were required to go through, a press release wire or some kind of journalist. Um, but now we kind of have direct access to that audience, be it coaches or parents or athletes, because they're all on those social medias now. Exactly right. You're, that's true. Um, that's, that's wonderful. So um, I served on the, the District 8 COPA committee. And for those who don't know, COPA is the Committee on Practice Advancement. And we always struggled with bringing the idea of business to the forefront during our annual sessions. Um, so how do you think that we can make business and athletic training a more engaging topic? Well, I think we have to help athletic trainers see that they are in a business. That Absolutely. They, in fact, a lot of them would, if you ask them, are you in business? They would say no, even though the, they're in one of the biggest businesses in the world. The business, in most cases, the business of sport is the biggest industry that is out there. Or um, else the business of healthcare. And the health, it's it, the business of health, we're actually in both. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> We've got two mega giants that we're both we a do. part of. And, but we don't see ourselves in that role. Yeah. Um, and often, I think another problem that we haven't been able to, address well that we need more uh, help doing is is the public doesn't have in most situations the public doesn't have access to us mm -hmm. we need a way that entrepreneurial and athletic trainers could interact with the, the public and not have to be in an institution a clinic or a school or something like that mm -hmm. and there there are opportunities as you know yes. out there to do that 
Um, we, we've put a lot of effort and we continue to put a lot of effort in insurance reimbursement and that helps with um, not only income but um, status within that realm. But I really think there are plenty of opportunities in the in cash businesses, you know, direct pay Absolutely. for services that are out there. Um, and so we have to get athletic trainers to see the opportunities and see themselves in those, taking advantage of those opportunities. So one thing I thought I would do, and I started this several years ago, was really start with the, the students. And in, in a traditional organization administration class that one might take in a uh, university athletic training education program, they would, you know, do projects like design an athletic training room. Exactly, yeah. Create a budget, you know, for an yeah. athletic training room. How many yeah. cases of tape are you going to buy? And yeah. That type of thing. And we were doing some role-playing stuff uh, like – okay, well, you created a budget, now we're going to cut your budget, and trying to do things that were more common to a school, a university, that type of thing. Sure. And then what I thought I'd do is kind of flip that on its head and instead have the students really envision what are the tools that they have or will have when they graduate that are marketable to the community. Mm-hmm. And then... Create, figure out what the value of those services. I was just going to say, kind of creating a value add model. Exactly. Yes. And then, um, instead of an athletic training facility, and and we really, this was a real struggle. In fact, I probably would need a few more years to kind of refine it to get it to happen smoothly in this class. But sure. we we even might my vision for it and this some of these components we weren't able to see fulfilled that year because I I couldn't pull it off but um, is actually looking at what would even renting a storefront um, so now we've got to pay rent we've Mm -hmm. got to pay utilities we've got to pay salaries now how much are we going to need to do of this stuff that we decided we could do and you know, their first thing was, well, we could tape an ankle or something. And I, I said, okay, well, anything but tape an ankle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so many more things that we do from Absolutely. creating emergency action plans to uh, overseeing the, you know, the design of healthcare provided at a community event like yes. a cross city race or 5K or 10K or whatever. Uh, um, uh, baseline concussion testing or, um, you know, possibly creating things like orthotics or mouthpieces or, I mean, there's, there's so many, there are hundreds of things that are possible, but they yeah. didn't see them. They didn't see that. They weren't seeing themselves as a business person. They were, uh, and that's what I wanted them to do is really see that everything they do has value. And if it's, legal and has value then it's marketable and and there's a potential buyer out there for the services that they can provide absolutely so. and and um to to what you're saying this idea of finding what it what it is that does add value so of course you know the ability to tape an ankle has value in itself but 
when you're marketing yourself as a, a business individual or an entrepreneur, an independent contractor, you have to look at the other side of the coin, not necessarily what you can do, but what that business or company needs. So like you're saying with uh, developing an EAP, that's reduced liability now on the company because they have this as part of their risk management model. So um, you're right in, in educating athletic trainers to kind of view it from a different perspective. Personally, I, I, I'm hopeful that that's sort of the future of what admin class is because certainly that currently is, is not the, the emphasis. No, it's not. Um, so kind of as an ATEP program director, what would you hope that athletic trainers take away from an admin class? Well, there's a lot of, you know, in, in a lot of classes, there are a lot of things that, um, they just have to know, you, you have to expose them. Uh, I think the biggest thing that they get out of the organization and administration types of classes are the lingo, the terminology. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a different language when you start talking about insurances and uh, contracts and absolutely, um, you know, even leases and things like that. Those are those are words that are common in other industries, but not necessarily in healthcare even. Mm -hmm. So we need to to help expose them to that language. A lot of times, I feel like half of knowing a a topic is really being able to, to speak using the language of that topic and language. I'm just talking about the terminology. Definitely. So do you have any specific tools or resources that you would recommend in handling the business side of athletic training? I know we talked about Google voice. Are you an Evernote user or what oh, kind of tools do you have? I love Evernote. Yes. I use it all the time. Wonderful. In fact, I wish I would really like it to the point that, Every piece of paper I have was in Evernote and not <laughs> sitting on my desk like it is right now. Definitely. Searchable, shareable. Uh, I mean, it's just it, if embracing those things can really help us, uh, I think, do things in a different way as we move forward. Definitely. Um, are, there, are there any other tools that you kind of keep well, in your bag? We're actually, this this year, we're launching our entire program will be a tablet program. And uh, When you say ours, are you referring to Fresno State? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Fresno State. Okay, yeah. Um, but we're actually, both of our uh, first year and second year students will have tablets and they'll be using them in the classroom. Our instructors went through redesigning the courses and um, to be tablet Friendly, and okay. we actually upgraded some facilities so that, that we teach in that will incorporate the tablets. And we're really also hoping to extend that out into their clinical practical Definitely. experiences. Mm -hmm. So they're actually recording stuff that they're doing either in video, well, that's one idea, but we also have, um, there's just so many things that have been paper-based in the past sure. that... It seems like in the digital age, it's, you know, it's silly to have them paper-based. Um, so we want to make them digital and have um, evaluations done on the iPad. Uh, we, we have, oh, we're kind of ubiquitous when cards comes to tablets. We're any, we're 
any tablet. Everything's designed so that any tablet will work. Sure, um, yeah. And um, we're excited to see what the results are going to be with in regards to that. Yeah, I definitely see this imminent direction of use of technology, um, everything from now seeing health records all being electronic and a lot of emerging telemedicine practices that are popping up. So I think it's wonderful that you guys are starting to introduce the electronic and tablet idea to who will become our newly certified healthcare practitioners. So uh, do you have any other recommendations or advice you can give our listeners now that you're in this uh, presidential situation and you're kind of at the helm looking forward? What can you give us down here that are kind of the boots on the ground? I think one of the things that is very important for us to do as a profession is really recognize that we are a unique healthcare provider and we have an amazing skill set that the community can benefit from mm -hmm. and we need to value that. Um, we, I think we've undervalued it for too long and mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we um, appropriately value it because what we do often it can't be done by anyone else and um, or we do it at, at a great benefit to the community um, sometimes we just give that away and we need to uh, watch and take care of ourselves to make sure that we're not giving away too much absolutely and and we're hopeful in our efforts that educating more athletic trainers about these business aspects like like you referred to today and in addition to that um, just just the value of what we have and our abilities to negotiate and, and things along those lines we're hopeful that we will continue to become stronger in those skills and, and in the recognition of that I hope so too should be clear now that increasing your business acumen as an athletic trainer is not only a good idea, but even a recommendation from our president. Everything from new technologies, a unique way of approaching admin class, or emerging markets can be at our disposal with a greater understanding of business topics. While hearing from the president of our organization can be inspirational, what about leaders from the business world? Coming up, how Steve Jobs changed the way I thought about athletic training. Proactive is a unique, state-of-the-art performance institute that integrates unparalleled sports performance training with rehabilitative services in a single facility. Their two facilities in Southern California provide a professional, innovative, and friendly training environment that is designed to meet the diversity of performance needs. Proactive's methods have been featured on ESPN, CNN, HBO, Fox Sports, ABC, and in Men's Health Magazine. Visit ProactiveSP.com for more information and get started today. Okay, so I'm going to give you one of my life hacks, and that is listening to podcasts slash audiobooks while commuting. 
I had a job uh, last summer that required me to, on a bad day, commute two and a half hours each way. On a good day, it was about 60 minutes. So I could only listen to the radio so often before I just couldn't hear the same song over and over again. I decided to download an audiobook and my first choice was to listen to the biography of Steve Jobs written by Walter Isaacson and it was a fantastic way for me to not only get some knowledge in but also kind of zone out a little bit and and think about all the things outside of athletic training that allowed me to uh, consider other options. So while I'm listening to this book, I couldn't help but be inspired by Steve Jobs's vision and relentless pursuit of simplicity. There was a unanimous tone and direction that Steve Jobs took in creating his products where he mandated that every step of the way make it more simple, make it more simple, make it more simple. Everything from how many buttons do you have to push and steps do you have to go through in order to get uh, you know, a song into your iTunes folder, for example. Um, and, and that translated into the design of his products and the software that they use. And I just felt inspired by this idea and, and really by the vision that Steve Jobs had. So I wanted to share some quotes with all of you that I thought translated really well into the athletic training profession. His first quote is, love what you do. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Finding meaning in your work is truly what will keep you passionate and pursuing more. There is no lack of passion in our profession. We all know that. So channel that passion into doing great work and continue pursuing what it is that you love. Work hard to make it simple. Design is not just what it looks like and feels like. Design is how it works. Simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get thinking clean and simple. I think that this one is really applicable when we think about our EAPs, trying to make them as few of steps as possible and to streamline that information and role delegation will definitely assist in having that additional personnel such as coaches um, and other roles to be more inclined to assist when that situation occurs as opposed to having really long, drawn out, complex processes. Next, he says, steal great ideas. There is greatness all around us. I think that from social media platforms to scholarly journals and everything in between, with us working in an evidence-based practice model, 
we're required to borrow from each other and really collaboration is the best way of learning and doing what is best. So start stealing from each other. This is one we all know too well. Your goal isn't to make money. Of course, I don't need to tell our athletic trainers this, but truly, even as a business, you shouldn't be focused on making money. The focus should be on increasing the value of what we do as athletic trainers and thereby making our positions more secure and the population that we work with better served as a result of that. And lastly, don't lose faith. Sometimes as athletic trainers, we feel like we're constantly fighting an uphill battle, but don't lose faith. There is a whole profession standing behind you fighting many of the same fights as you heard from Scott Saylor just a couple minutes ago. We will continue to stand together and fight and be faithful in unison. Well, I'm hopeful that from this podcast, you've realized that athletic trainers have much to learn and growth to be had in the business world. While our admin class is an introduction to these ideas, it's our responsibility to continue the learning within this area. We are in such a unique profession that serves a clientele most others cannot access that we have to continue to evolve with the technologies and the culture around us. There are mentors outside of the profession not just our president, who have much to teach us about what we can do inside the profession. As always, thank you for joining us and listening. We'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on today's podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Advantage. If you have questions regarding what we've spoken about here, use the hashtag Q and AT. And on the next episode, we will be discussing management. As always, I want to thank Mr. Logistics, who created the music you've heard throughout. Thanks for listening to The Business Advantage.